It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to Quantum number 228. I think I'm going to entitle this one The Road to Nowhere. Uh, Quantum is a podcast that looks at news and views from throughout the world from a Christian perspective, but as we say, open to all. And we've got some big issues to look at this week as we're in the December month heading towards Christmas. But I'll begin with the final song in the top 10 we had for songs that make you happy. And uh, this is number one to get you in the mood. Uh, Glenn Miller, of course, in the mood. Uh, it's I, I, again just a great song. Now, since I last spoke to you, I've heard this man speak at Sydney. I don't know what people mean when they say believe. Mm. Like it's it's as if that question explains itself when it's asked. It's like it doesn't. What do you mean by believe? And what do you mean by God? And what makes you think that the question that I'm answering is the same one that you're asking? Mm. This is not something that you can say yes or no to in any straightforward manner. So I find it an off-putting question. And, and I don't think it's because I'm avoiding the issue. I think that to answer it properly requires books mm. and lectures. Yeah. Like, and, yeah. and so, Do you see yourself at least in the Christian tradition as far as your, I suppose, worldview? Well, there's no, well, there's no doubt about that because I'm a Westerner. There's, mm. there's no escape from that. Yeah. I'm conditioned in every cell to, from, as a consequence of the Judeo-Christian worldview. And so... I, I've read a fair bit in other religious traditions and have a, a reasonable grasp on some of them, I would say, not trying to overestimate my knowledge, um, but we're saturated in Judeo-Christian ethics, and so... I've seen you say that you certainly live your life as though God exists. Yes, I would say, well, to the best of my ability, hmm. right, yeah. And I think that that's the fundamental hallmark of belief, is what you, it's how you act, not right. what you say about what you think you think. That was Jordan Peterson. That was from, I think, three years ago on the Unbelievable program. Um, I think his views may have shifted somewhat since then, but uh, I did go and hear him, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. Um, But just even in that clip there, he's right when saying, well, what do you mean by God? What do you mean by believe? Um, And that should have been answered, actually, in my view, because it's a cop-out. Um, what we mean by God is the almighty God who created everything, the Lord. You know, there, there are lots of things that we could say, but not gods uh, as such, but the one God, the creator of all things, uh, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit. Belief is not just belief about that that God exists, but belief in and trust in. And... Uh, 
you can say yes he 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 does he didn't have it then and i don't think he's got it now when you say it's books and lectures no they can give you information but ultimately it's only the spirit who can, can convict you and it's the book the bible which brings you that truth and he's missing out almost entirely on the relational aspect and that was evident in sydney because it was an amazing experience and i'll uh, tell you something about it uh, more in more detail I'll probably write about it much more, but basically we had 9,000 mostly young people, a lot of men, but also a lot of women, uh, who just packed the place out, the Sydney Exhibition Centre, sold out. He spoke and answered questions for almost two hours. It was an extraordinary uh, experience, but I came away deeply saddened because Jordan Peterson is very, very good at analysing the problem. He could not get the solution. In fact, I'm not sure that other people picked up on this, but when he was asked, where's the woke world leading us? He, in effect, said this. If you think Stalin and Hitler were bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Not with all our technology. Uh, We'll come back to this, but he was like, he was a talking head saying, like talking heads, we're on the road to nowhere. Now, as part of that, if you like that that analysis of where we are in our culture, there are things that the stuff that we look at today. And by the way, I did think Jordan Peter was brilliant, and I thought he was a lovely man, and I thought he was full of compassion. He just doesn't have Christ yet, uh, and we pray for him. But there's been this horrible situation in the United Kingdom. Standing next to Camilla here, and with her back to the camera, was Ngozi Fulani. She's chief executive of Sister Space and a prominent advocate for survivors of domestic abuse. Also at the reception was Lady Susan Hussey. On the left here, she was a lady-in-waiting to the late Queen Elizabeth for more than 60 years and is a senior member of the royal household. According to Miss Fulani, the following conversation took place between the two women. Lady Susan Hussey, where are you from? Miss Fulani, sister space. No, where do you come from? We're based in Hackney. No, what part of Africa are you from? I don't know. They didn't leave any records. Lady Hussey went on. No, but what nationality are you? I am born here and am British. No, but where do you really come from? Where do your people come from? My people, lady, what is this? Lady Hussey, oh, I can see I'm going to have a challenge getting you to say where you're from. When did you first come here? Miss Fulani, Lady, I am a British national. My parents came here in the 50s. Oh, I knew we'd get there in the end. You're Caribbean. No, Lady, I am of African heritage, Caribbean descent and British nationality. When I first heard the headlines, I suspect, like most of you, I thought, oh, no, 
there's this old lady who was the queen's lady-in-waiting and she's basically made a, a stupid kind of racist comment that your granny would make or something and you know, just a huge fuss about it. But, you know, all these headlines, you need to get beyond them and you need to dig in a little bit. And that's what we try and do here, to dig in a bit. And so I, I want to examine this this royal racism round just a wee bit more because it shows you how perverse our culture is and how wicked that the mob is around the whole racism thing because racism is really real. But my view is that the anti-racists in our society, or at least the ones who are so public about it, tend to be doing tend to increase racism rather than deal with it. Anyway, here's uh, Nana Akua from GB News. Um, I think she was a Somalian refugee who's made it in UK television. Um, I mean, to some people, she'll be the wrong kind of black person. But this was her take on that whole situation. This woman, Ngozi Fulani, which isn't her real name, by the way, it's actually Marlene Headley, went to the palace event dressed like this. Now, forget... Where do you come from in Africa? More like, what planet? What is going on with her hair? I mean, seriously, I've got some bad wigs that I wear on purpose, by the way, to get a reaction. But that is another level. Apparently, Lady Hussey, a dearly departed Queen's lady-in-waiting for some 60 years, moved and goes his hair out of the way, brave move, so she could see a name badge, which is clearly not a traditional British name, which is what I suspect, alongside the outfit, sparked her intrigue and this totally unverified exchange. We don't even know whether it's true, but let, let's go with it. She said the exchange left her feeling traumatised. What? She runs a domestic abuse charity? Come on! What I find more traumatising is the way she made a meal out of answering a pretty standard question posed by an 83-year-old woman about her heritage. Asking someone where they're from is possibly, possibly the most common global icebreaker question ever. Lady Susan Hussey resigned from the royal household after 60 years of loyal service. And then there are a whole bunch of other things that, that happened. So Prince William, Lady Susan's godson, expressed disappointment because the woke royals are of course going to do that. The palace denounced the incident as unacceptable. But what was unacceptable? An 83-year-old servant, if you like, condemned for showing curiosity about someone's heritage. That, that's literally what she did. That may not be the way to do it. It may not be acceptable. Can I tell you this weekend, I was in a church and a young black man came up to me and he said, where are you from? Did I take offence? When I said to him, where are you from? Um, I tend not to say that, by the way, to Chinese people here. There's so many Australian-born Chinese and you know, I just, I, I, I just say, are you from Sydney? Um, I'm not from here. I don't mind people asking me where I'm from. Uh, I read a Trends article, I'll put a link to it. It's this lady saying that she'd known Susan Hussey since she was 18. And if she's a racist, then I'm an ornamental fountain. But here's the thing about the, the woman who made the accusation. Nzoki Fulani or Nagoski Fulani. That's not her name. That's a name she's given herself. Her name is actually Marlene Headley. She's British, of Caribbean origin, and she decides that she wants to be African. So she gives herself an African name, Nigerian name. Uh, Nagosi is an Igbo name, meaning blessing. And uh, the Fulani people 
that's one of the tribes, they tend to be predominantly Muslim. The Igbos are Christian, Catholic actually, and these tribes do not intermarry. You know, I think she was doing a bit of cultural appropriation there. I love what uh, her Susan Hussey's friend said, I can say with authority, however, that Susan Hussey has never knowingly offended anyone in her life. She upholds a clean tradition of honesty and equity. She possesses the milk of human kindness by the court. This morning, a mutual friend told me she's shattered and heartbroken and will never recover. The wasteland that is now her life will be far more devastating than any, any injury done to Ms. Fulani, who far from being the sensitive plant she portrays herself as, is currently taking herself on a tour of every television studio in London. Yeah, that's what happens. And the culture just gives into it. When, when I saw the BBC reporting on this, I just thought, yeah. you know, you're either ignorant or wicked. Negosi runs a domestic violence charity for women of African and Caribbean heritage. What would happen if a white woman turned up and said she wanted help? Wouldn't she be asked, where are you from? And what if she said South Africa? Or what if she said Jamaica? Would they ask her about her heritage? Yeah. I doubt it. And anyway, all, uh, with the royals, I, I'm, I, somebody asked me, will you watch it? No. The next fix is no. I, I've, I've got a life to live. I don't want to watch Meghan and Harry with their narcissism. I don't want to indulge it. The fact that they paid $100 million to diss the royal family because they're part of the royal family. The fact that they're such hypocrites. Going on about how everyone has a right to privacy and then inviting the cameras into their homes. And the lies that already have been clear have been told. The fact that they claim to be hard done by living in a 15 million California mansion. No thanks. All right, let's move on to the Twitter expose. Do you remember this? 50 former national intelligence folks who said that what this he's accusing me of is a Russian plant. They have said that this is, has all the care. Four, five former heads of the CIA, both parties, say what he's saying is a bunch of garbage. This is classic Trump. We have four days left, and all of a sudden there's a laptop. There's overwhelming evidence that from the intelligence community that the Russians are engaged. It's the last-ditch effort in this desperate campaign to smear me and my family. The vast majority of the intelligence people have come out and said there's no basis at all. That was Joe Biden, President Joe Biden, before he became president. That was him lying. He lied. I think Donald Trump lied all the time too. But that was Joe Biden lying. Now, it's now been proven that he lied. It's been proven that the Hunter Biden tapes were a real thing. Not a Russian plant. It's also now, thanks to Elon Musk dripping this out, being shown that Twitter covered this up at the request of the Democratic Party. It really is quite extraordinary. Um, Twitter even prevented shared direct messages, which they'd only done before for child pornography. When Biden sent them the request to take down embarrassing photos from the laptop, that were from the laptop rather, Twitter employees responded with a single word, handled. This gets even worse. Twitter's general counsel at the time was former FBI general counsel James Baker. If you were wondering why the Twitter files in the past few days, if you've been following this, weren't 
so explosive, it's because James Baker still works for Twitter and he was blocking them while he's now been fired. But it really is extraordinary. Uh, Vijaya Gade was a Twitter executive who made the call to censor this story about the Biden laptop. She was later tapped by the Biden administration to advise the Department of Homeland Security on combating disinformation on social media. You see why we don't trust the mainstream media? It's not because we're conspiracy theorists, it's because they're not trustworthy. Trustworthy and true, I've just been reading about God's word and on, on our wee Revelation series from Revelation 22.6. They're not trustworthy and true. The fact that the FBI and Twitter were working hand in glove to suppress what they deemed to be misinformation about what was actually a true story is profoundly disturbing. And, you know, here in Australia, the ABC yesterday ran several stories on hate speech on the increase in Twitter. Nothing about this and nothing about the decrease in child sex. Very, very, very disappointing. Okay, let's move on. Um, Let's come on to, well, this. Here's Hillary Clinton. There is a lot of pushback and much of the progress that has been I think taken for granted by too many people, uh, is under attack, literally under attack in uh, places like Iran or Afghanistan or Ukraine, where rape is a tactic of war, or under attack by political and cultural forces in a country like our own when it comes to uh, women's health care and uh, bodily autonomy. Now, that's an extraordinary statement. Can you see what she's doing? She's implying, in fact, she's not implying, she's stating that women's rights in Iran, in Afghanistan under the Taliban, and in Ukraine when Russian soldiers are using rape as a weapon, is equivalent to not being allowed abortion, to kill your own child in the United States. Trump's bad, but that, that's just evil. It's just evil. And to see how evil it is, as well, here's a wonderful woman called Heidi Croter. Well, my first reaction was I was absolutely distraught. And the reason why, they said that my views don't matter when it does. Because I'm someone who has Down syndrome. And what will you do now? Will you, will you uh, appeal again to take the case to the, court of, the Supreme Court? Yes, we're going to the Supreme Court and then hopefully practice my friends. She's 27 years old, suffers from Down syndrome. And the Court of Appeal has upheld legislation, despite her appealing against it, which allows the abortion of babies with Down syndrome up until birth. Incredible. Meanwhile, in the United States, the new Democratic senator for Georgia is uh, Raphael Warnock, who is a Christian minister and who says that he's pro-abortion because Jesus would be. And I, I almost have nothing more to say to that. In Malta, though, some good news. On abortion, they, they, in a referendum, they voted to keep it banned. Not such good news. A magazine I enjoy reading spiked here every week. It publishes a pro-abortion article every week. I ask them to allow their customary and honoured balance and different viewpoints. And every week they refuse. And also not such good news. The cultural imperialism of the West. The Gates Foundation is offering $7 billion to African nations to help them develop. 
but a quid pro quo of that or part of the deal is that these countries which are opposed to abortion, Gates or their, their foundation is insisting that abortion be promoted. All right, I tell you what, let's lighten it a little bit. And uh, I played this before, but let's play it again. There's a reason. Once two nations made war, today they have collaborated to make a motion picture of unequal magnitude and importance, recreating the actual events leading up to the day that changed the course of history. Cora, Cora, Cora! That, of course, is the trailer, part of the trailer for Tora, 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 one of the great wartime films. Because this week marks the 81st anniversary of the Japanese attack on the US fleet in Pearl Harbor. And I mention it just because the man who led that, uh, Lieutenant Commander Mitsu Fuchida, was converted to Christianity because of the kindness of uh, a woman who, a woman called Peggy Koval who treated him and his fellow Japanese captives with kindness. He became a Christian, wrote a book from Pearl Harbor to Calvary. Um, just a fascinating and great story. And then it's Christmas, so I guess you've got to see this film, and this is the 1947 version, and there's a reason for playing this clip as well. But first of all, listen to it. Well, young lady, what's your name? I'm sorry, she doesn't speak English. She's Dutch. She just came over. She's been living in an orphan's home in Rotterdam ever since, well, we've adopted her. I told her you wouldn't be able to speak to her, but when she saw you in the parade yesterday, she said you were Santa Claus, as she calls you, and you could talk to her. Well, I didn't know what to do. Hello. Ich bin blöd, that you have come Ben. Oh, well, Ben Santa Claus. Yes, I guess I can. Bell. It was Zeker that he would sabble kreipen. Natürlich. Sigma what you so will in heaven, Van Sinterklaas. Neeks, I can't finale this. It will allay mar by days to leave for domicile. <laughs> will you want to me singing? Sinterklaas kapuntje, geef wat in mijn schoentje, geef wat in mijn laarsje. Dank u, Sinterklaasje. I love it. Sinterklaas, of course it's the Dutch. Well, we'll move, let's let's come back away from the romance of Christmas films to the reality of the world today. Unbelievably, the Dutch, who are the second biggest exporters of agricultural produce in the world, are seeking to destroy their agricultural industry. The Dutch government are threatening to forcibly take over 3,000 farms and all because they want to meet EU climate targets. It's astonishing. I mean, you should really read the detail of this. Um, I think it's extraordinary. <sighs> Meanwhile, in France, the French have been fined 500 million euros for not having enough renewables, despite the fact that France has the lowest carbon emissions in the whole of Europe because France has nuclear power. But what do the EU bureaucrats, bureaucrats care? It's not about reducing carbon emissions. It's about the ideology. And I heard a discussion on this, I think it was on Sky News, and this is Ralph Schillerman. I, I, we can't play it all, but this is just a small clip of what he was saying. This is more about, uh, you know, the altar of, of solar and wind at which they worship than it is about actually reducing emissions. 
it, it's for me it's less Marxism than it is a kind of secular coming of a new form of reformation. If you, li mm. if you listen to how they talk, it's about you know society needs to be cleansed. Kind of, you know we need to change our ways of life. This sounds more like the Puritans, I would argue, than the Marxists, right? It's 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 about we need to eat less meat and uh, we yes, take yeah. fewer showers, and so it's it's all about society needs to go a, a baptism of fire to cleanse ourselves from the <laughs> sins of the past. But it's also I love that way he uses the language of um, reformation. It's a new reformation and the Puritans, the word Puritan is always used for everything bad, which is a bit of a shame. And then uh, the host talks about corporate fascism, which is what this is. It's the big corporations, big business in bed with big government. And the point they make is absolutely right. When food prices have gone up 20% in Europe, why are you cutting food production? Four billion people could be affected by this madness. We've seen what it did in Sri Lanka. We are on the road to nowhere if we carry on like this, perhaps even on the road to hell. And then I was smiling because a chef who works in the Obama White House says that uh, rice, coffee, wine and chocolate could become scarce in the decades to come. Well, a lot more will become scarce if you keep destroying agriculture and don't allow fertilizer. And then the extraordinary story of the city of Oxford, um, only allowing a hundred journeys into your area. Did, did, you, did you hear this one? They're going to divide Oxford into areas and you can drive freely around your own neighbourhood, but then you have to apply for a permit to drive to other neighbourhoods for up to 100 days per year. That's an average of two days per week. It's funny, Oxford was an area where the council and others strongly supported being in the EU for freedom of movement and they want to curtail freedom of movement in their own city. There's a wonderful senator in Australia called Alex Santos and I want you to hear what he has to say about all of this. Australian cities are becoming digital surveillance precincts with so-called smart city programs being rolled out across the country. Invasive technology such as facial recognition cameras, license plate readers, smart lights, smart poles, smart cars, smart neighbourhoods, smart homes and smart appliances all connected to wireless networks and communicating with each other. So what's wrong with that? Technology is good, isn't it? All this is for your safety, security and convenience, isn't it? Well, let me tell you, your streets are spying on you. Your mobile phone is spying on you. Your cities are spying on you. And the infrastructure for future lockdowns is being put into place right now. Don't be fooled. You're being set up to be tracked through your movements and through the future of your digital wallets. By handing over your data, you're handing over the ability to monitor your behaviour, which will soon be turned into a social credit score. And once the central bank digital currencies are in place, you won't get to spend your money without approval. Digital ID will soon become a reality in Australia. Many other countries are already rolling these systems out. Countries like Canada, Scotland and many others. Eventually, you won't be able to access any government or public services and you won't be able to travel across borders or access healthcare or the internet without a digital ID. Think you won't comply? I think you will. The last two years were the dress rehearsal and we fell for it hook, line and sinker. Australians are sleepwalking into this technocratic future. And while we're sitting around, scratching our chins, trying to work out whether this is really happening, Australia is drifting towards a dystopian digital future. Santos is right. And Peterson is right in saying that our authoritarians have much more power now than even uh, Hitler and Stalin did.
That's Indonesia. There are new laws that have come into power in Indonesia. And what was picked up here in Australia, particularly the number of Australians who go to Bali, is shock that Indonesia is banning extramarital sex. It applies not just to Indonesians, but to tourists visiting, visiting the country. It's funny, we're so shocked about that. I know people who've wanted to move here to Australia, and they're Christians, and because they weren't living together, they were had difficulty getting a visa because the Australian Immigration Department thought they couldn't have been serious about getting married if they didn't sleep together before marriage. Different societies have different standards. But in a wonderful article in the Australian, Greg Sheridan raises issues that our press hadn't been interested in, and that is questions of blasphemy laws, apostasy being an offence, and severely curtailing free speech. Indonesia is the largest Muslim country in the world. If it goes Islamist or fundamentalist, that could be disastrous. Some other world news. Um, in Peru, in Lima, the president has been ousted from office as he tried to dissolve Congress. That's President Pedro Castillo. Um, he's now under arrest and his vice president, Dina Bolarte, has, has been sworn in as president, becoming the first woman to lead the country. And in South Africa, and I think we'll return to this because some of you have contacted us about uh, what's going on there. Uh the President Ramaphosa is being in real trouble because of corruption. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Well, we didn't mention the World Cup, but we're going to have to because the quarterfinals are coming up. And I think now I'm going to be for the Netherlands. All my teams keep getting knocked out. But here's a wonderful England player saying what motivates him. I've been continuing to do that out here, read my Bible every night. For me, it's really important to obviously have the presence of God in me all the time and it gives me gives me more confidence you know that God's plan is perfect so I can go on the pitch and you know know that God has my back but um the the main thing for me is just keeping my faith you know just having faith in God so I don't need to be nervous or worry about any outcomes because obviously it's my first world cup you know I can I can start worrying about different things and different outcomes but instead I just choose to put my faith in God that's Bukayo Saka uh, good for him. You know, really, really good for him. I, I'm delighted to see him making such a public stance. All right, we're going to finish. Um, when I was hearing Jordan Peterson, I would say that Jordan Peterson very much appeals to the intellect, although emotionally as well. My friend Steve McAlpine was listening to Nick Cave. Um, first of all, here, here's a bit of uh, Nick Cave's song, Bright Horses. Bright horses have broken free from the fields They are horses of love Their manes full of fire They are parting the cities Those bright burning horses And everyone is hiding And no one makes a sound of wonder springing from your burning hand 
That's from the album Ghostine. It's an incredible album. Uh, Steve McAlpine said that when he played it, there wasn't a dry eye in in the house as he was singing it. Um, I really do. I'm absolutely fascinated by Nick Cave, and I really find his music very intense and very beautiful. Uh, Here's a clip of him doing an interview with the BBC recently. You know, I, I think religion asks something of us. It asks something of us. And spirituality is a little bit more amorphous and we can all be spiritual and we are all spiritual and like, well, of course we are all spiritual. Um, but religion requires, it's sp- spiritu- spirituality with rigor, let's say, it requires something of us. And that action, um, I think, is what it's probably all about. So what does being religious require of you? For me, I'm more um, inclined to do religious things like go to church, uh, pray, um, read scripture. I mean, I've always done these things anyway. Um, actually, even in, at, in my most chaotic times, I've done those sorts of things. But I feel uh, that, that when I walk when I read scripture or when I walk out of church or this, I, I feel less, I, I feel my skepticism is a little less. And I, it's I more distant. Bit, it's a little more you distant. Put it at B. Yeah. And is there a... But that struggle, the yeah. struggle is very much where I am and, and, and in regard to religion and the ideas of God and, and Christian ideas. It's, it's, a, it's a struggle. I mean, by no means arrived anywhere on that kind of thing. A fascinating interview with, with Kirsty Wark. Um, religion asks something of us. It's spirituality with rigour. And I love the song Bright Horse. In fact, I'll tell you what, we'll play out with Bright, Bright Horses. Uh, thanks for listening. If you've got any comments, please let me know. Go to the website www.theweeflee.com or the Ask website ask.org.au and you'll get links to all the stories here we've got the spotify um, podcast not but the spotify playlist with the music um i do want to thank those of you who give to uh support this work so that we can do this and thanks to peter for producing it again and also if you've got any further stories as usual or comments or complaints or whatever feel free just to contact me but i come back to as we go out i come back to nick cave's song bright horses We're all sick and tired of seeing things as they are. This world we can see, it doesn't mean we can't believe. I can hear the horses prancing in the pastures of the Lord, bringing my baby right back to me. The imagery of horses, of course, is so strong in in Revelation. But I pray for Nick Cave. I pray for Peterson. These are men, and there are women as well, who are asking the deep, deep questions, who are touching the heart and mind of our people. And we need to touch them with the gospel. So that's my burden. And please do, if you're a Christian, pray about all that. And if you're not a Christian, please do get in touch and try and find out more. God bless you and see you next week. Bye. And everyone has a heart and it's calling for something. And we're all so sick and tired of seeing things as they are. Oh
Horses are just horses and their manes aren't full of fire The fields are just fields and there ain't no Lord And everyone is hidden and everyone is cruel There's no shortage of tyrants and no shortage of fools And the little white shape dancing at the end of the world Is just a wish the time can't dissolve at all On the 5.30 train 